0: father's lightsaber what lightsabers precious Hello and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious, the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars podcast where we waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan.
1: And I'm Joanna. And I'm distracted by the band-aid that Ryan has on his face. I cut myself shaving. It looks like a chin strap to like a football helmet. It's good look. Yeah, I got it by playing
0: playing football. Throwing the old pigskin around. Playing, playing football with um, a, a Gillette Mach 3. A Gillette Mach 3, yes that, I, that's how I train. You're supposed
1: to use a football, not a Gillette Mach
0: 3. Well, it's like when Goku trains in the hyperbaric time chamber. I'm just, or like trains it a hundred times with gravity. I'm training with a razor blade so that my precision when I catch the pigskin is going to be unmatched.
1: So you'll be able to catch it very gingerly.
0: Like, with my face. With your
1: face, yeah. which is
0: how you're supposed to catch a football. Once I've mastered the face, then I can move on to the hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: how every football player should start. If you can catch a football with your face, you can catch a football with your hands. That's the oldest adage in the book, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ditka said that. Just
0: ask the old football coach about that, and he'll tell you. The old, which old football coach? (laughs) You know, the coach. What is the the expression? Clear eyes. Clear eyes. uh, Warm heart. Clear eyes, warm heart. Catch a Gillette with your face. (laughs) That's how it goes. That's how it goes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> anyway, I have Lord of the Rings news. But, for once, wow. Well, it's not really news because it's for a, it's from a year ago, but I was not aware of this. So it started with my friend Teresa, the one I went to New Zealand with, sending me an article. And she sent it to me because she was annoyed by it, which I completely understand because it was, you know... Um, relationships in Tolkien, the ones that helped the story and the ones that hurt it. And the ones that hurt it, I don't think actually hurt the story. I think it's just relationships that weren't really fleshed out. What's an
0: example? Like, for
1: example, the relationship between... Pippin and his wife. Okay, well, that's not
0: that's barely even mentioned. That's so.
1: barely even meant It's such an afterthought. It doesn't like, take
0: away from the story. Were really? people
1: actually expecting him to flesh that out? Because that would have been kind of unnecessary. It sounds dumb, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, it was like a dumb article overall. But then I got to a part where they mentioned a relationship I was not aware of. Apparently, there is a video game that came out, like, last year. It's Where's called you?
0: Shadow of War, and- Sequel to- Shadows of Mordor, the open world game. Anywho, in this game, Shulob is a lady. Yeah, she can
1: turn into a sexy lady. <laughs> she is a sexy woman, and she and Sauron are apparently in some kind of
0: relationship. See, that's news. I don't know about that. That's cool. <laughs>
1: Um, at least that's how the article presented it. I haven't played the game, but apparently she and Sauron are together, and she is a sexy lady. Yeah, I
0: had the first one, but I kind of buy the second one now. Just just, so for, can, that, just right? for that, right? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> no,
1: I got to that part in the article, and I literally did like the Tim Allen grunt from Home Improvement. Uh? Uh? So that's my news.
0: <laughs> Thank you. News from one year ago. Stilouf
1: is <laughs> a sexy lady, and she and Sauron are in
0: a committed relationship. That's my news. What's yours? It's confirmed. The Boethut movie is shelved. Mm focuses are going into episode 9 and the Mandalorian TV show. But that's it.
1: Are they gonna be bringing that movie out ever? Or this is just, they're just postponing it? Or? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I like, that's how, that's basically how we can summarize your news for this week.
0: But in other news, it's our last week of Spooky October. It's time to get spooky. Yes, Halloween is almost upon us. It is this coming Wednesday, and we have more spooks and chills and thrills and kills to give you today on the podcast.
1: And today we are going to talk about what I think is the absolute scariest thing in the Tolkien cosmology. The fangirls. (laughs) Balrogs.
0: Oh, yeah, those are scary.
1: Yeah. Or Balrog fangirls. Can you imagine? Balrog fangirls would be mm, a force one, to
0: be reckoned with. they've drawn fan art of Balrog smooching. So, what do you know about Balrogs? Uh, well, we learned about them a little bit. They know there's, they're called bell-rigs, which is... Bell-rig.
1: Mess- Bell-rig is the plural of which Balrog. Is so
0: messed up. Maybe. <laughs> they're big fire demons who have flaming whips as weapons... And they're also Maiar, like Gandalf. Remember that part? Mm-hmm. And uh, Gandalf fights one, and they fall into hell and land on a mountain. It's sort of hell. Yeah. I mean, it's hellishly cold. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, and also, Rachel fought one in his adventure. Well, I shouldn't say fought. He more like he... Tricked it. He tricked it and made it go away like a coward. So, yeah, that's why I know about Balrogs. They're big and scary. And...
1: Doing the Balrog voice really hurt my throat. Yeah, yeah, thing yeah, we know. yeah. Well, yeah, so you actually know a lot about Balrogs, so that's good. For those of you at home who might not know, Balrogs did originate as Maiar, so they were beings of the same kind as
0: Sauron and Gandalf mm-hmm. and many of your other favorites. They don't look the same.
1: No, they don't. Well, I mean, you're a spirit. You can take whatever form you want.
0: So Gandalf could be a, be a, be a Balrog if you wanted to? I suppose. If you wanted to. Could I don't be, know why he'd want to. Could he be an Oliphant if you wanted to? I suppose, but again, I don't know why he would. Could he be a frog? I... <laughs>
1: He can be whatever he wants, Ryan. Could he
0: be a frog-sized ball A ball-frog? A <laughs> was a ball-frog! Did it! Did. That's all I got. So,
1: no, yes, but could he go about unnoticed among mortal beings? It's a tiny ball Yes! As a, as a, as a ball- Frog-sized ball frog. Ball frog. <laughs> I, I feel like that would draw all the wrong kind of attention. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but anyway, no. So they were primordial spirits of fire, and they allied themselves with Melkor pretty early on, and became Melkor. Sorry, Morgoth. I've mentioned that he's called Mel Melkor, right? This it's like
0: his alternate name. That
1: was maybe. like his original name. Yeah. And then he decided that wasn't metal enough, so he, he went for Morgoth, the artist
0: formerly known as Melkor. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: so they aligned themselves with the artist formerly known as Melkor in the early days, and became the most feared of his servants. Particularly during the First Age and the Wars in Beleriand, mm-hmm. it's hard to know exactly how many Balrogs there were, but there don't seem to have been that many of them. So the closest we can come to an accurate number is seven.
0: Okay, originally. So do you say they are solitary creatures?
1: Not really. No, oh, Really? no. They're they're like in command of armies. Oh, they, I you like I mean, they like them hang they
0: they out. Their, they teamwork, their... make the dream work. Do Balrogs hang out? Do they have? Like, yeah, they hang out. They have like they have like herds of Balrog.
1: No, well, I mean, if you can count seven as a herd.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: I'm not saying they, like, get together for poker night or anything. Oh, I, I don't know what
0: they be- do in their downtime.
1: But, um, but yeah, no. They're, they're not isolated creatures. Well, except for one, which we'll talk about later. Ah, okay. So, in appearance, the Encyclopedia of Artists says they were man-like in that they were vaguely anthropoid, right? Two legs, two, two arms. Two legs, two arms. They stood upright. Yeah. They had a head. They had a torso. But what wasn't man-like about them is that they could appear cloaked in shadow as an impenetrable darkness. Now, what's important to know is that this shadow is not just the absence of light. It's like a palpable thing. Like it can shift shapes and it hides you from view by presenting like this false shadow shape. And stick a pin in that because that's going to come okay. up
0: later yep. in one of the dumbest debates in all of a pin all, all of the studies of Tolkien. Stick a pin in this this physical shadow.
1: Okay, cool. They so they could appear cloaked in shadow or burst into a fiery form that streamed flame, as we have seen in the Peter Jackson movies. So they generally carried whips of flame. However, there are records of them using other weapons. So, for example, some carried a blade of flame. Of course. Some, Everything of flame
0: Does one carry a glock of flame? <laughs> and he shoots it sideways? That's yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> really cool Which I think to make things more edgy, you know? And it, you wore a trench coat of flame <laughs> just, just, just a trench coat fedora of flame Just a trench coat that's on fire at yeah. all times <laughs> And you wore it on a
1: motorcycle of flame And he had, like, tattoos across his knuckles That said, like, fear and hurt, hurt. Yeah Yeah, no, but one did use a whip-like thong of steel Of flame
0: a thong of steel a flame. What like Thong of Steel of <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like that phrase.
1: It's not for you to like. Okay. It's for the Balrog to use. Now, Gothmog, the Lord of the Balrogs. That's a
0: great name, by the way. Gothmog,
1: I mean, like, yeah, Gothmog is another extremely metal name. I, I mean, feel these like Celsius knew like what he was doing yeah, with these, are these just, names. Because
0: their album covers come to life.
1: They are. He carried a great black axe.
0: Hell yeah. Of flame,
1: presumably. Oh, I love it. They also appear to have had some magical capability, but we only have one case of this happening, where one Balrog used a counterspell against another. But the power of that counterspell was apparently enormous.
0: I've seen them doing card tricks. They're pretty good.
1: I just told you they don't play cards. (laughs)
0: That's why they don't play cards cards anymore.
1: Yeah, because they're constantly (laughs) doing tricks. When Morgoth built his fortress of Utumno in Middle-earth, the Balrogs were there. Now, of course, when the Valar came over and destroyed Utumno and took Morgoth captive, the Balrogs were forced to hide in the pits of Angband, where they stayed for quite some time. What they were doing there for so long, I don't know, but they just kind of hung out. Playing cards. Playing cards. No, they don't play for the last time. Unless it's like, you know. Egyptian rat scratch. Yeah. They <laughs> love... Wait, is that even what it's called? You called it Egyptian rat screw when you were in middle school? Okay, but it's something to do with Egyptian rats. Anyway, yeah. so much later, three ages later, in fact, when Melkor and his lady, Angolia stole the Silmarils and went back to Middle-earth, they came to Angband and they realized, like, hey, the Balrogs are still here. That's deep. This rules, yeah. I guess they literally had nothing better to do. let pull these guys out of storage. And so what happened was... Ungoliant, as you know, turned on Morgoth because she wanted to eat the selmerels, and he did not want her to eat the selmerels. And so she tied him up in her webs as if to kill him. The Balrogs came out from their hiding place and rescued their lord. So apparently they were still faithful even though he left them Hmm. there for like three ages. They were probably more like, oh my god, finally something to do.
0: Yeah, for reals.
1: The way that the elves first became aware of Balrogs is kind of interesting. So as you know, the Noldor were sort of banished from Valinor and they made their way over to Middle-earth and the other elves of Middle-earth looked upon them as like saviors sent from the Valar which didn't end up <laughs> no, they being they were the case that. at all at all but anyway so very very early on in the time the Noldor came to Middle-earth in fact so early on that the moon had not yet arisen yet There was a battle, and then there was a second battle. And the second battle was called the Battle Under Stars. So called because the moon and the sun were not around yet. So by necessity, it was under stars. And so that was fought between the followers of Feanor, right? Remember the biggest dick Noldor of any dick Noldor? And Morgoth's armies. So the elves were greatly outnumbered by the orcs. And the orcs had the benefit of surprise, but the Noldor were able to quickly turn the tide and rout their enemy, right? Send their enemy flying. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, Feyenoord got a little bit too big for his britches. He was filled with wrath, and so he charged all the way to Angban. He's like, I'm going to take Morgoth down by myself.
0: Uh, that's not good. Which,
1: Morgoth's like a god.
0: He's got like Balrogs as his voice.
1: Yeah, well, Feyenoord didn't know that. He didn't know about Balrogs. (laughs) And so he's like, I'm going to go. Beat the crap out of Morgoth and take my Selmarils. So he leaves his entire army behind and he goes by himself. And he goes to Angban and as he's going to attack Morgoth, suddenly these gigantic demons
0: flood out of
1: Angban Uh, and he's like, what the hell are these? But he didn't think that for long
0: because they immediately killed him. The cojones on this elf. I'll tell you what. So he was fatally wounded by these Balrogs. Yeah, it serves him right.
1: Yeah, it does serve him right. I agree. I am not a fan. Um, So that was the first time elves encountered Balrogs. Uh, which they were not previously aware of.
0: Well, that, in that case, the only person who ever saw them never came back to tell them about it. So well,
1: still- I mean, they definitely saw them later. Oh, okay, but yeah, okay. he
0: was the first pe- person to see them.
1: So soon after that, Feanor's eldest son, called Maedros, was captured uh, and taken to Angband. And the force that captured him had Balrogs among their number. Maedros was then rescued by Fingon. And there's a lot of names here, so I tried to make notes of who everybody was. Let's
0: try to stick to the important ones here.
1: Fingon was Feanor's, like, half-nephew. Okay. So, anyway, he rescued Feanor's son. And after that, the Balrogs seemed to have languished for many years, and nobody heard about them for four centuries. Long time. They were just kind of bummed. They're like, oh, we lost Medros. Dad's gonna be mad at us. And then, suddenly... After four centuries, they exploded out of Angban alongside Glaurung the Golden, right? That dragon. um, Yes, of course. And they fought in the Battle of Sudden Flame. And in that battle, Morgoth came out smelling like roses. He did really well. Right, I remember that. But the Balrogs did not do so well. What? Did they get defeated? Kinda, yeah. So they attacked Hithlum, which was held by Feanor's half-brother, Fingolfin. Why everybody's name has to start with F, I don't know. It's so confusing. It's very confusing. But anyway... Basically, the elves won. And so the Balrogs once again failed and once again were presumably greatly discouraged. Aww. I know, isn't that sad?
0: Were they actually killed in combat?
1: No, they, none of them were killed at this point. They just, I don't know, didn't do very well. They just, okay. Kind of lost motivation.
0: No, nah. I know. I'm not thinking like of flaming whips and swords and mo- I'm not exactly mod, sure dude. how this
1: battle went down, but if you want to talk about Balrogs actually being killed, here's where that comes into play. Oh, I don't want to
0: talk about that at all.
1: Oh, sorry, because we're going to. So, you remember the city of Gondolin.
0: Of course. The hidden fell. city of
1: Gondolin, and it was ruled by... Fingon's brother Turgon, so another of Feanor's half-nephews. And so, as you know, eventually Morgoth found the city of Gondolin and he brought Balrogs with him to attack it. And at that time, the lord of the Balrogs, Gothmog, was killed by a guy called Echthelion. I hate him. So he was a lord of Gondolin and he was famed as the slayer of Gothmog, lord of the Balrogs. How do you do that? I don't know. He was super strong. How do you he th- was real and strong, and he was Turgon's friend. But how do you do it? How do you kill
0: Balrog? I
1: don't know the details, but I know that he's called Ecthelion of the Fountain, so maybe he killed him with the fountain. Maybe, maybe fountain he chopped involved. his head off
0: made a fountain of blood and lava.
1: Wow. That's, like, really the only BA interpretation of Ecthelion of the Fountain you could think of, because otherwise it's kind of a lame nickname. Or he just
0: wet his pants all the time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Probably something more like that. So, this Icthelion, by the way, is not the same Icthelion as Denethor's dad. Oh, that's so confusing, Joanna. And also not the same Icthelion as the guy who built the White Tower of Minas Tirith. Tolkien just loved the name Icthelion. It's just like
0: the, the, the John of Middle-earth, or The Muhammad. It's just,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Every other kid was named Icthelion. Icthelion? It's not even... Icthelion. It's hard to say. Another Balrog was defeated. Oh, no. By a great hero called Glorfindel. Glorfindel was chief of Gondolin's House of the Golden Flower. Um, and he was not the same Glorfindel as the one who helps Aragorn and the Hobbits get to Rivendell. Tolkien, come on, dude. So, once again, Tolkien just dug the name Glorfindel. And Glorfindel defeated the Balrog, but was unfortunately killed in the process. After the fall of Gondolin, we don't hear anything about the Balrogs until the very last battle of the First Age, the War of Wrath. And in that battle, the Balrogs had to fight against the Valor themselves... And they were basically all destroyed, except. Except? For one. Ooh. Well, at least one. We think one. The last of his kind. And the last of his kind fled from the destruction of Valerian to hide beneath the Misty Mountains, Aww. where it slept undisturbed for thousands of
0: years. I like it.
1: Now, this says a handful of others may have escaped the wreck of Angvan to hide far beneath the earth, but we don't hear anything about them. Okay. So let's just focus on the one that hid under the Misty Mountains.
0: Does this one have a name?
1: Durin's Bane, it's sometimes oh. called, and I will tell you why. Okay, okay. So the place in the Misty Mountains where it was hiding was later to become the city of khazad
0: Right, the dwarf city. The
1: dwarf city that would even later become Moria. In the Third Age, the dwarves of khazad were delving down into the roots of the mountains seeking for Mithril. And what do they come across but a demon that's been asleep for millennia, 5000 tri- years. What a This
0: is the start of a horror movie, isn't it? This
1: is the start of a horror movie because unfortunately the Balrog woke up and rampaged to cause doom and killed King during the sixth. Almost immediately. The dwarves didn't immediately get out of there because they had more mithril lust than sense. But (laughs) later when Durin's heir was also killed by the Balrog, they're like, so maybe we should leave. There's
0: kind of a pattern forming here. you know. Yes.
1: So the Balrog, having done that, it went back to sleep. So I got that out of my system. It went back to sleep inside Moria for centuries. And part of this may be due to Sauron's lost influence. So just a few decades after Durin's bane woke up, Sauron was driven from Dol Guldur for a long time. And the Nazgul were inert. And so maybe the Balrog was just kind of like, what's the point? I'm a man out of my time. It's it's
0: boring up there, right? It's
1: boring up there. I'm just going to go back to bed. So for centuries, we didn't hear anything about this Balrog. Now, in the year 2799 of the Third Age, Dane Ironfoot decided to look into Mori and be like, can we reclaim this place? Like, were we too hasty leaving it? Like, maybe it's okay now. Like, I know there was a demon rampaging and killing everyone like 400 years ago, but like, maybe it's okay now. He looked inside and the baller was like, I'm still here. (laughs) And so he's
0: like, actually, maybe we shouldn't recolonize Moria. And so he took off. I just got to say, the dwarves have a really bad track record with giant flaming monsters taking over their homes. They sure
1: do. They sure do. And that's, you know, uh, a parable about greed, I guess. I guess. Because, uh, well, what drew Smaug to them? It was all the treasure they had amassed. What woke up the Balrog? It was them digging for Mithril. True enough. So, you know, these are all life lessons. So the next time anybody tried to recolonize more. Moria, it was Balin, one of the dwarves from the Hobbits. Yeah, the older guy. Well, Balin, yeah. So following the events of the Hobbit, he and some other dwarves actually did reclaim Moria for a few years. Then it turned out the Balrog was indeed still there. And so they were all killed. And you know this because you've seen Lord of the Rings. Drums, drums in the deep. We cannot get out. As we know, Gandalf fought Durin's bane. Yes. And killed it. It's far from certain that it was the last of the Balrogs. However, the other Balrogs that may or may not have been existent in existence were never mentioned in the records. But the implication is that some did remain after the end of the Third Age, concealed in deep places, and perhaps they will be
0: awakened in ages to come. Do you ever see the movie Reign of Fire? Okay, what's Rain of Fire? It's a movie with Christian Bale, and it's like in the modern day, and these there's these miners digging for oil or something. And they come across... A dragon underground. And basically, it's a mother dragon. Yeah. And she lays her eggs all over the earth, and it becomes a post-apocalyptic movie about dragons taking over the earth and people living in castles.
1: That sounds like a movie that you and your dad would see in an empty
0: theater. (laughs) And that's exactly how I saw it. (laughs) But this, it sounds like if we dig deep enough, we could have a Balrog version of Rain of Fire on our hands. in our In our our fourth age movie. If we keep
1: drilling for oil... Yeah. Like, that's the real reason to oppose all this offshore all the oil, all the fracking. It's going to wake Like, up. you're going to wake up a Balrog. Like, yeah. Durin's Bane, Dude. well, it's dead, but his brothers and sisters could still be out there. Yeah. And you're going to wake it up, and you're going to hear drums, drums in the deep, and you cannot get out, and yeah. you're going to be slaughtered. We watch the Fire. It's pretty good. Is it, in fact? It's fun. Before we end with Balrogs, I have to explain to you probably the single most prominent debate in all of Tolkien's scholarship. This is major. This is major. In fact, this took up like easily two-thirds or more of the Balrog article on Encyclopedia of Arda. Righty. ready. This is the question of whether or not Balrogs have wings. You
0: mean they don't have wings? Or well, d- are have... you
1: under the impression that they have wings? Is well, that what side of the debate you're going to fall on? Whenever with?
0: I picture a Balrog, yeah, I picture big flaming wings.
1: Well, you might be picturing it wrong. I'd, I'd say you have like a 50-50 shot. That your why wouldn't brought. they have wings? Well, here's the thing. They do have wings in the Peter Jackson version. Sure, yeah. So he clearly took a stand. Yeah. Whether yeah. or not you agree on that stand sort of depends on oh. – well, it depends mostly on semantics.
0: I agree with Pete. I think he's got wings.
1: All right. Well, let's explain why this is such a debate. In fact, it's such a debate that according to the Encyclopedia of Arda, they get more email on this single topic than from any other article <laughs> oh on the site. Oh,
0: my God. Okay, well, change my mind.
1: <laughs> Well, I'll try. I'm going to present both sides of the arguments briefly. Briefly. I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts. But here's where the debate comes from. So, in the Lord of the Rings, we have a line. And this line refers to the Balrog facing off against Gandalf. Yes. And it said, his enemy halted again, facing him, and the shadow about it reached out Like two vast wings. Now, two things to note here. We mentioned earlier that it has a sort of shadow, impenetrable shadow around it that can change shape and form.
0: Right, i put a pin. in. I'll take the pin out of that shadow.
1: Take it out and now look at it. Okay. Also, we have the phrase, like two vast wings.
0: It becomes a simile. That
1: becomes a simile. But then, a line immediately following it, well, not immediately, two paragraphs later, says... Suddenly, it drew itself up to a great height and its wings were spread from wall to wall. Its wings. Now, the source of the debate stems from whether or not this second line I just read is supposed to be immediately connected to the first one I read.
0: Referring to the same... Is it
1: referring to the metaphorical wings of shadow or is it referring to actual physical wings? Are these the same wings that were mentioned previously? This is the issue. It is one entirely... Entirely of semantics. And in fact, the Encyclopedia of Arta says these are quite probably the most hotly debated words Tolkien ever wrote. Seems like not a big deal. Sure, but then again, a lot of stuff on Wikipedia also seems like not a big deal. And yet, does that prevent them going into it for like 35,000 words? No, it does not. It does not. Okay, so the case for Balrog Wings. The case for Balrog Wings is essentially... We should be taking these words literally. Okay. He used the word like in the first instance, so that part is a metaphor. But when he talks about wings again, he doesn't use like, so that's literal.
0: Yeah. Literal
1: wings. Okay, I see that. Right, so that's basically what it hinges on. Now, there's also a reference that came up some time ago. And this reference was found by a reader called R. Darren Brewer, apparently. And the reference is in Return of the King where it says, about the power of Sauron, Over the land there lies a long shadow, westward reaching wings of darkness. Now in this, it doesn't say like wings, but it's still clearly metaphorical language. That's
0: metaphorical wings there, yeah.
1: So we know that Tolkien is not beyond using wings metaphorically.
0: Metaphorical wings are something in his wheelhouse.
1: Something in his wheelhouse. There's also another line. This actually comes from The History of Middle-Earth. And it says... Of the Balrogs, swiftly they arose and they passed with winged speed over Hithlum and came to Lamoth as a tempest of fire. I
0: mean, how would they fly if they don't got wings?
1: Well, they passed with winged speed. However, people are quick to point out that this sounds a lot like it's just a metaphor for very fast.
0: Hmm, okay, okay. Is it? I don't know. Winged speed. I can't imagine them flying without wings. Unless they can go kind of...
1: Well, no, they're not flying, That maybe they're just running really fast with winged speed. speed over. Well, sure, but you can say they're speeding over the lands. Without them actually physically. But you could say Swift- horses Horses are speeding over the line. Swiftly land.
0: they arose. Horses are flying. Swiftly they arose. Sounds like they're rising. From target. where they're
1: sleeping. I don't know. Or playing Egyptian Rats. I, I, I don't know. All right. So, okay, so that's the case. Anyway, that's the case Four is for those kind of references. All right, all right. Alright, so The case against Balrog Wings This one I even cut out most of the discussion Because I think it speaks for itself We never see Balrogs fly Okay okay. Like unambiguously They are never mentioned as flying If the Balrogs could fly Then why did the one that Gandalf fought at the Bridge of Khazad-dum Not fly back up after it fell?
0: Gandalf is very heavy Like a bit of a Balrog? I think he's like a, like, you know, he's, a, he's like a, he's a, a Maiar, so he can probably change his density at will. I well. think he's
1: made of super dense dark matter he, from
0: a collapsing star. I think that's what he's made of.
1: Yeah. I think that's what they're all made of. Yeah. But if I'm he's heavy, then creative. the Balrog's also going to be heavy because they're the same thing. They're both myar. And his is a spread out more. Alright, okay. Um. I see what you're getting at. I, I, I do think it's stupid, but okay. I see what you're getting at. Now, the other objection to Barag's having wings is a question of scale. So try to follow me on this one. Alright. The hall that they are in when they are on the bridge of Khazad-dûm is described as extremely large. Big enough for wings. Well, so yeah, maybe. So, okay, so here's what it says. Before them was another cavernous hall, it was loftier and far longer than the one in which they had slept. Next, he turned left and sped across the smooth floor of the hall. The distance was greater than it had looked. And next, a slender bridge of stone without curb or rail that spanned the chasm with one curving spring of fifty feet. So this hall is gigantic, so if the chasm is fifty feet wide, then the entire hall must be at least several hundred feet long. Mm Mm-hmm. So we can derive a fairly reliable minimum width somewhere in the region of like 75 to 100 feet. Big old it has place. to be at least, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's huge. So with that in mind, if the Balrog's wings are literal and they literally spread from wall to wall, its minimum wingspan is going to be about 100 feet. That is huge. That is the size of a small aircraft.
0: Well, they're, they're supposed to be big old monsters.
1: That makes sense. Right, but here's the complication. The door to get into that cavern is nowhere near that big. When Tolkien is describing the passage to get into this cavernous chamber, he uses the following two phrases. Orcs, one after another, leaped into the chamber. Why are they going one at a time if it's a wide doorway, wide enough for a 100-foot wingspan balrog to fit through? I don't think that
0: means they're jumping in one at a time. I think it means they're just, like, all jumping in at once. Okay,
1: granted, but there's another line that says that they clustered in the doorway. Why are they
0: clustering if it's big enough for a balrog to fit through? Because they're orcs. They want to create a phalanx of, of meat to stop...
1: Possibly. But the inescapable conclusion for many people is that this is a fairly narrow opening. So even if the Balrog was able to spread out its wings in the hall, you know, like if there was enough space in the actual cavern, it couldn't have fit through the door. It would have tried to squeeze through and been like, oh, damn it. I
0: don't know. I think the door's pretty big. Because they're trying to block the doorway. It's not like they have to like, they're not like they're stacked on top of each other. They're closing the doorway to to stop the Hulberts from going back the other way they came.
1: Okay, so it's quite clear what side you are falling on.
0: I just think it's more fun if it has wings.
1: Now, here's something else. This is from an unpublished draft. Tolkien wrote, "The Balrog strode to the fissure, no more than man height."
0: That's a big fart. I'm glad he changed that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, now he by by not, but by changing it, he's opened up
0: this incredibly stupid debate that's been raging for decades. But a big, scary monster with wings is so much cooler than like a man-sized dude.
1: I suppose you're probably right. So, ultimately, you are in the Balrog is absolutely gigantic and has wings category.
0: Well, like, you know, we get too, we're so separated nowadays with our political debates. <laughs> Why and can't everything. we just reach across Let's, the aisle, here's my answer. find
1: that common ground? The answer's
0: got to be somewhere in, in the, the middle. middle. And so my theory is that it has tiny little vestigial wings.
1: Ah, vestigial wing Now, why would they be vestigial? Because it's not like it evolved from anything. It, it This is the body it was given. So we can't have vestigial wings like they used to be used and now they're not. That doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh.
0: They used to be used till it got trapped in cause of doom. Oh, and so now, they atrophied or something? they withered over time. And so now it's got wings, but they're not functional or, you know, even good for anything.
1: All right. Well, that's certainly one interpretation.
0: It'd be cute to have tiny little vestigial wings, though. That's... Itty-bitty ones, like a little... A little, 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 like, angel baby sort of thing.
1: That's, that's, that's my interpretation. That's pretty cute. You're making it sound like an Ann Getty's painting. I am.
0: Like, put the Balrog in a teacup with, like, oh, a little flower hat. Anyone could do that for me? I'd love that. What, make an Ann Getty's version of a Balrog? Yeah, make one of those, like, baby dolls, but, like, a realistic Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> Hyper-realistic. Hyper-realistic Balrog baby.
1: All right, I'll 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 get on it.
0: Okay, or cool. if anybody else
1: wants to get on it, please feel free. Anyway, that's what I have to say about Balrogs. So I started
0: off pretty scared of Balrogs, and I kind of like feel for them a little bit. I think Why do you feel for them? I like a monster, and I think they, they, uh, I think they got wings. Okay. So what do you have for me? Well, Anything for... as contentious as Balrog wings? Well, no. Um, unless you find... Children's horror stories contentious. Yes, for this week, our last week of Spooky October, I decided to go again back with our old friends, Tash and Zach Aranda, and their Uncle Hool, with the fourth book of the Galaxy of Fear series. So, it's been for the approval of Midnight Society. I present to you The Nightmare Machine. I just want to do it again.
1: Every week. One last time. One last time. Every week. I feel like I do it better than the actual sound effect.
0: You don't have like a cool Diablo 2 something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the Nightmare Machine, the fourth book in the Galaxy of Fear series. So again, this is a copy where it was scanned from text and turned into text and there's no chapter breaks, so I just went straight through it. We begin with a prologue, as always. It always involves our evil scientist. In the last book we realized the evil scientist is a Shiito, just like Uncle Huo, right? Yes.
1: We also learned that he is like extremely bad at his job because he failed a third time. He'll get
0: he'll get it right this time, right? Oh yeah, he has to, eventually. So it starts with him making a mess of his secret citadel. He has a secret castle on some planet. And so he's knocking over vials, flipping tables, freaking out all the squares who are his lab assistants. And he's like, just have he's flipping out. He's like, those darn kids and their uncle killed three of my projects already. <sighs> he's like, it's okay. So I have three more. And this is going to be the one that works. For real this time. Stage four, Project Starscream, it's going to be a success.
1: The Empire's being so indulgent with him. Like, do you think that this is, like, a project that they just gave him to get him out of their hair? Keep him busy. You know, they're like, oh, sure, you know, we'll give you this super cool project. It's called Project Starscream, and... He's like, oh, it sounds awesome. It's got all of these basically impossible objectives, and yeah, we think you can do it, so have at it. And then he actually makes a planet that eats other planets, and they're like...
0: You we shouldn't have let, do that, why did we let that... Why guy, did we let that guy do that? We gave him how much funding? What? Yeah, <laughs> just... So now we get into the actual book proper. So our story starts with everyone at the Galactic Research Academy. It's like this space college that Uncle Hool actually went to. Okay. So Uncle Hool has gone off on his own again, uh, leaving the kids to their own devices. So they decide to go sneak a peek in the Academy's library, see if they can find any files on their Uncle Hool. But as they're doing so, of course, he catches them in the act. And he's not really mad or anything, which is surprising. He's just kind of like, you should not be looking for this kind of thing. And it it's time for us to leave. And they say, where are we going, Uncle Hool? Well, they're going on a vacation. The kids in DV9 are at least Uncle Hool, again, has some secret business. Yes, of he's course, gonna, like he always does. He's going to go dump them off somewhere. The only thing they get out of him that's new, they ask him about Project Starscream. I'm like, we have got to try to figure out who did this and who's behind it. And we learn the name of our evil Shi'ito, which is... Are you ready for this? Oh, it's gonna be—is it gonna be really evil sounding? Borborigmus Gog. What's his name? First name B O R <laughs> B O R Y G M U S. Last name Gog. Borborgmus? Borborigmus Gog. Borborgmus?
1: Borborigmus Gog. So they got like the ga and the Or in there, which
0: like just inherently
1: sound evil and. Then they somehow managed to combine it in a way that sounds really
0: stupid. Maybe it's a traditional Shido name, but no, his name is Borborigmus Gog.
1: I don't understand how one traditional Shido name is Hool and then another is
0: Borborigmus Remember, we still don't know the first name of Uncle Hul. He still oh, Uncle- Hul is
1: just his last name. Right,
0: because we still don't know his first name. Maybe it's Hul Huligus. Oh, I love that. Hul Huligus no, Hul. is his last name. So it would be Huligus Hul, right? Yeah. 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 So yes, that is our evil Shido's Bor-borg-mus? name. Borborigmus? Borborigmus Gog. Okay. Where are they going on vacation? Where do you, where do you think they're going? bora <laughs> You just like saying that word. Yeah. No, they're going to Hologram Fun World, baby! Of course they are because that's the only place anybody goes on vacation in, in Star Wars. I was excited about this. It's Ah Hologram Fun World? I now know Now they're going to see Han Solo getting married to Princess Leia but she doesn't have her birth No, this takes place well, a few years before the Jedi Prince series. <laughs> okay. So. And if you remember from our Jedi Prince series if you didn't listen back or you, or you forgot uh, it's a floating theme park in space like this big dome that floats in space and has all these holographic attractions like you experience all kinds of crazy stuff. The kids are super jazzed about it. So, meanwhile, Force Flow, if you remember, is Tasha's HollowNet buddy, her e-friend. Her e right. Right? I sent her some of Uncle Hool's file that they were trying to download when he caught them. Mm. It's pretty basic. it has got Uncle Hool's nudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that he didn't want him looking into it? He said it, he wasn't mad about it. He was okay. He's just like, we don't have time. Oh, we have to go. Maybe he's not particularly ashamed of his nudes. Well, with him, he's a shape he's shapeshift. He could be any kind of thing. He could, he could be, be so many different nude things. Yes. It may not even be him, probably, no. So anyway, he was born on Shishun, which is the Shido homeworld. He left his homeworld for the Academy to become a professor of anthropology. But the you know, the kids notice there's four years missing between the time he left the planet and the time he got to the Academy. So what's going on there? What was he doing during those four years? Very mysterious. Yeah. Anyway, Hool dumps the kids and DV off at Hologram Fun World. The kids are excited and super jazzed, and DV is bored already because droids can sense life sensors and stuff like that, and it's all just a bunch of holograms. So, so he knows it's fake. It's well, well but fun- like everybody
1: knows it's fake. DV, you're not special. Yeah. The name Hologram is in the name of the place. Everybody knows it's fake. He just doesn't. He's not excited. He's, he's like one of those teen boys that goes through haunted houses and he's yeah. just like,
0: I'm not scared. I can sense there's no life forms in this. So this is fake. Yeah, I can sense there's no <laughs> life forms in here. <laughs> that's what that's what DV's all about. This is so
1: fake. Yeah, no kidding. You're not cool.
0: So it's going to be prime, Zach says to Tosh, right before a rancor roars in their faces. Oh, but it's fake. Cliffhanger is a hologram. Yeah, like, yeah, doll. That's not even a cliffhanger. But it's a really good one because it has smells and sounds. like They can feel its hot breath blowing on them and stuff like that. And also can shake the ground as it walks. A
1: big deal. They do that in the A Bug's Life ride at Disney.
0: They have a brancor that stomps after you and breathes no, in your face? No,
1: but they do shake it. Are you talking
0: about the, 4- the 4D film, it's tough to be a bug?
1: Yeah. Okay. And then they have that part where it feels like bugs are crawling under your butt? Yeah. That's scary.
0: Still, D.V. calls them a bunch of idiots for panicking about a hologram at a place called Hologram Fun World. Like... As, as he well, I mean, in fairness, yeah, DB's probably on the right there. Next I go to this place called the Hall of Reflection, which is basically like a, a souped-up funhouse mirror maze. Yeah. But the mirrors make you look like other species and creatures. He's like, sees himself as different kind of monsters and creatures and everything, and then he sees himself as a, as a handsome man with smooth, dark skin and a carefully trimmed mustache. He sees himself as handsome. <laughs> Here's what you would look like if you weren't ugly. And then the reflection grabs him. <gasps> and it's, it's not a
1: it's not a hologram at all? No, it's Lando! Oh, it's Lando! <laughs>
0: that smooth, dark skin, that carefully trimmed mustache. And he is
1: very handsome. He
0: is very handsome. No, it's Lando. He's here because he's looking to invest in Hologram Fun World. So if you remember in the Jedi Prince series, he was going to go, after he lost Cloud City in a bet to Zorba the Hutt, he's going to go back to Hologram Fun World. You Drown know.
1: his sorrows in holograms? And, like,
0: make some money, right? Oh, right. He asks if the kids can help him figure out what attractions are cool for kids, because he doesn't know. He's an adult. He's a businessman. Show him around. And the kid's like, yeah, of course. That's great, Mr. Calrissian. And D.B.'s like, kids, really? Because, like... Kids, really? He's really getting tired of mysterious people kidnapping the kids and trying to murder them. It has happened,
1: like, several times. It has happened
0: in every adventure they've had so far. And we don't see it, but I'm almost positive he's getting blamed for it behind the scenes. Probably. Uncle who like, D.B., why can't you just you know, kill fight again, D.B., I'll tell you. And he's
1: like, there's only so much I can do when you have literally the two stupidest kids in the world.
0: Uh, I, th- I think Tosh is smart. Tosh that. is actually not that stupid. It's mostly Zach. And I should also mention, I've noticed these books go in a pattern, at least from the second book on, where it goes a Zach book, a Tosh book, a Zach book. This yes. is a Zach book.
1: Okay. He's got. kind of
0: our main focus. They decide, okay, we'll go with Lando next day. We'll go back to the little visitor's lodge. We'll rest <laughs> up and then we'll go out and see the Hang park. With
1: this cool stranger. This cool slick it's stranger so with a so well the mustache. mustache.
0: Zack is having a hard time sleeping at the visitor center, so he's, he's just so excited. There's all these, all these hollows. They're going to be so prime, right? It's be the most prime. And so he wakes up to wander around the lodge, and he finds Lando playing cards. He's playing Sabak uh-huh. at a table in the lobby. And he's playing against a super ugly human with a wrap around his head. It's Dengar. Diaperhead? Old diaperhead's in this book.
1: Oh my god!
0: Dengar gets all pissy because Lando keeps upping his bets and not showing... You know, what his cards actually are. and
1: Well, I mean, but that's kind of how it works.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how gambling works. And Dengar I mean, just folds because he's like, I can't deal with this. And of course, Lando has a totally crappy hand. Nothing,
1: right. Because he's great at bluffing.
0: And so Dengar is like, ah, you haven't heard the last of me, Calrissian. And shakes his fist and walks away. Lando teaches Zach how to play Sabak and how to bluff like a champ, which is kind of fun. That's a good thing to teach a, a tween boy. In the process, Zach manages to make the auto-shuffler shoot cards everywhere. Which is not prime. That
1: is so not prime, Zach. That's not even how you. God, these kids are annoying.
0: The next day, Lando, DV, and the kids go out to enjoy Hologram Fun World. They do fun stuff like hover ski down a volcano, ride a star dragon, like a Dwanaguyin. A Dwanaguyin. A A Dwanaguyin. A And they take a swim with some hollow whaledons. Cool. Yeah, a lot of callbacks here. It's great. One attraction's under construction, and it's called the Nightmare Machine. Oh, that sounds fun. Zach really wants to go in, but the maintenance droid at our front's like, no, I'm sorry, it's not open yet. And so Zach does the cool thing where he's like, hey buddy, you missed a spot. And he points, and the droid turns and he runs into the building. Wow, a classic gambit. Zach is so clever. He sneaks inside and it's full of like you know, it's still clearly being built. There's like tools and stuff in there. He turns a corner and sees a room in front of him in shadows. And who's there? b b borg b borg b b borg giggleness b borg is there. Zach is hidden in the shadows, but he sees Gog putting two kids on, on tables, like operating tables. Oh my god, what kind of attraction is that? It's a pretty good description no here. I wonder it's closed. Pretty good description here. Let me read that. He pressed a button on the side of, the, of a large black cube, and the panel slid open with a hiss. No, the panel hadn't hissed. Something inside the cube had hissed. From the shadows of the container, something shuffled forward. First two arms appeared. The hands were long with thin, splayed fingers. The arms themselves were terribly thin, like skin stretched tightly over dried bones. And each arm had two sets of elbows, which made them quiver and swerve in weird directions. Next came the creature's head. Its face was vaguely human, but the head was enormous and round. Above two red eyes, the skull was crisscrossed with hundreds of worm-like veins, as if the creature's brain were able to push through the skull itself. Its lips were thin and tightly shut, and the corners of its mouth stretched back almost to tiny ears. Zack was grossed out. He stifled a cry as the creature crawled spider-like out of its box, and loomed over the two victims. It looked at Gog, who nodded at it. Then the creature opened its mouth. Instead of a tongue, two tentacles leaped out, wriggling in the air. One tentacle struck the top of each captive's head and attached itself. The two teens stiffened in shock and then fainted. It's this is weird, like J horror monster with tentacle tongues. Ew! Zant gasps, and Gog notices him there and looks directly at him and smiles and he hauls ass out of the nightmare machine. Outside he finds Tosh, and Lander, and tells him, Gog is here! I saw Borgimus Gog is here! You know, don't no chase him out of the attraction, but Zack saw him there, really, in a place full of holograms. He saw him! You saw him. Lander says he knows how to help, so he takes him to the barren administrator of Hologram Fun World, who's this chubby ginger guy with a beard called Donna Faji. Donna? Dana? D-A-N-A? D-A-N-A? Donna Faji. I say Donna, but Dana, maybe? Donna. Donna Faji Zack tells his story, and Dana laughs it off. He even takes them back to the nightmare machine to show them that this building is empty, guys. Like, there's nothing in here. They go back. And there's no tables. There's no kids. No Boborgimus Gog. No weird creature. It's empty. And he's like, okay, I guess you're right. There's nothing to be afraid of. Then Faji says, oh, I wouldn't say that. And all the lights go off.
1: Oh, my God. It's
0: Gothmog. Gebus. Boborgimus Mothgog. Gothmog Bogorbinus. Zach calls out. No one responds. He's alone in the dark. Then in the darkness, he feels the scraping of thousands of tiny feet crawling all over him, into Ooh. his clothes, covered with hairy, skittering creatures oh biting and pulling at him. This is just like the A Bug's Life, right? It is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is what happened.
0: And then Dana Faji opens a door and ends the simulation. Apparently, the nightmare machine scans your mind of your greatest fears and recreates them in hologram form. Why would
1: anyone? Why do you
0: go in and somehow it has to simulate abandonment? Yeah. <laughs> or like old age and irrelevance? Tosh saw herself on the edge of a bottomless pit and landed away in sharing what he saw. DV calls Bullroar. There's no technology in the world that could read someone's mind. But Faji's like, no, no, no. We have broken through the technology barrier. We figured it out. No further details, of course. The only two ways to end the attraction is to say, uh, end simulation, Or to go write it all out until you reach your maximum ultimate fear. The one thing you're scared of the most and face it and then you can get out. Somebody's
1: going to die. Yeah. Right. Or like be permanently psychologically traumatized. Like, honestly, like what I feel like a lot of people's worst fear would be like, watching your family get murdered in front of you right, or Right, right. Horrible stuff. Li- seriously. Like, this is
0: irresponsible.
1: I'm sorry. This is like a lawsuit waiting to happen.
0: So you might not agree with their actions, but the kids decide to try it again. What? Are they stupid? <laughs> well, they know they're going to say end simulation it'll be over, so... <laughs> I guess. So Ta- Tosh, Zach, and Lando find themselves on skimboards being chased by, Cyborian battle dogs. But of course the skimboards are too slow. they run out of fuel. Tosh falls off and the dogs begin to tear her apart. Zach says, end simulation, and the simulation will not end. He says it again, and still no effect. He has to watch Tosh get mauled by virtual space dogs.
1: This is exactly what I said was gonna happen!
0: So he dives into the pack to save his sis. And then Tosh says, end simulation, and the dogs melt away.
1: So here's the problem. His worst fear was saying, end simulation, and the simulation not ending. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a loophole yeah, there. There's a loophole. <laughs> Apparently Tosh wasn't in Zach's scenario at all. She had her own separate thing going on, and Lando did too. And Lando says, You've probably had enough of this for today. Let's go to the beach and hang out with some hollow again. You've probably had enough of this forever. Yeah. Zach sees that weird double-jointed brain creature Ugh. clutching to the edge of the Hall of Reflection. He says, hey, TV, look, look! And he turns around and it's gone. He just saw it and it was gone. So Zach, for whatever reason, runs after him into the mirror maze to, like, beat up the hologram or something. Well, you going to punch a hologram, Zach? Yeah. He cool pursues land, bro? He pursues a thing past all the mirrors to make look different creatures until he finds a mirror that makes him look like himself. Yes. And he reaches out to make sure it's real. He touches the mirror and it kind of shimmers a little bit. But then he notices that his hand is not his hand. His hand's got long, thick fingers that are slimy. His body feels heavy. And he looks down at himself. He's turned into a monster himself. (gasps) Tosh calls out for him, but he can't even get the words out with his thick monster mouth full of teeth. This is called puberty, Zach. It's just a good this metaphor. This is exactly for what happened to me oh. when I started my first period. We had the zits metaphor last first book. First period. Yeah, there you go. So he's like, I'm a man. Oh, no. So he touches the mirror again with his picture. Because his picture, it, his inflection is smiling at him. And he's not smiling. He's a monster man.
1: Yeah. He, smile him, he touches it
0: again. And he realizes he's starting to change back. His hand starts to change back. And he kind of staggers out. His legs are still stiff and thick with monster muscles. And he tells Tosh what happens. And Lana's like, okay, we got to go back to Donafaji. This place is messed up. Yeah. Okay, so you go back up to his office. He's like, oh, we've had a few glitches lately. you no, no big deal. And of course, Zach flips out about it because these aren't glitches. These are like real things that I felt. Like I felt like a monster. Like that's not a hologram. That's a real thing, right? And Lando kind of subtly implies he's going to pull his investments.
1: See, that's what you do. Yeah. See, I told you there was going to be, a, I mean, I guess this isn't legal action, but this yeah. is like, this is how things work under
0: capitalism. Yeah, buddy. Zack kind of storms off to look out the window. His his office is above Hologram Fun World. He can look down and see everything down below. And he sees all the happy crowds having their day and everything. Then the crowds disappear all at once. They're gone. The crowds are holograms? No, Foggi- DV would have said it. Faji explains that business hasn't been great. And so they've created hologram crowds to make people feel like there's more fun going on. DV didn't par- mention that? Nope. Pretty weird,
1: huh?
0: Yeah. Lando tells him to have to reconsider the arrangement they've made. And he storms away with the kids. When they get in the elevator, Lana starts laughing. He's like, oh, this is part of the gambling, baby. And he's...
1: <laughs> when you invest in something, sometimes they love he's, you. He's bluffing, right? About how likely you are to get a return on your investment. He's That's a, part of gambling, He He's baby. just
0: bluffing big time. He's like, things are not always as they seem, kids. Oh, wait, really? Yep. Zach has crazy nightmares, wakes up to try to find his sister. He finds her sitting alone in the dark, staring out the window. And Zach tries to like, talk to her, and all she says back is... One of us must die. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I did say those exact same words to my younger brother at one point. She keeps saying it to him and hissing it all up in the open face. One of us must die! Until he shakes her and she wakes up from her dream. She doesn't remember anything. She's just, well, oh, I had this terrible dream and I have kind of a headache, but I don't know what that's not so bad. I don't know what you're talking about. One of us must die? What? What? Weird. The next day they hit the park with Lando again. Zack insults a Botham by calling him a hologram. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, you hologram! The rancor is back, he's stomping around, roaring at people, and scaring the crowds. And Lando's like, When I get the control of this puck, I'm gonna do away with the whole horror angle. It ain't working for me. Then the rancor charges up and eats him. Oh no! Like. Swallows Lando whole with gore pouring out of his mouth as he roars to the heavens. I bet that really happened. I mean, it has to be. Right now, even DV is panicking. Oh, and DV can sense if it's real or not. This is a real rancor. And it really ate Lando? Yeah! Wait, no, it didn't. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Of course it ate him. <laughs> no it didn't. Okay, this is a, but this isn't the real DB. This is a hologram DB. Well, I don't know, Joanna. That seems. That's a, why. That's why. That seems a little too convenient. They run to find shelter, but all the attractions are locked. So they're under the lagoon, since the Rancors hate water. They swim out, the Rancor follows underwater, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they see a Whalodon coming up on them really fast. Like, oh, the Whalodon's going to save us. And the Whalodon opens its mouth and swallows them with a bunch of seawater. Suckers! Yeah. Bitch, you fought! <laughs> So they're inside of this whaleodon's mouth, and they're hanging out of teeth for dear life. Dee pulls out a laser torch and burns the roof of the whaleodon's mouth. Yeah. Which causes it to open. Okay. Above water, thankfully. And they hop out, but Devi is nowhere to be found. They're, they're mm-hmm. alone in the ocean. That's
1: because he uses a hologram.
0: Because oh, he might whale. No, because he use a hologram.
1: No, he wasn't a hologram. It's a real Devi. He
0: a hologram. Oh my! Zach suggests they get to the airlock because there was no holograms in the airlock. We'll definitely be safe there. On the way there, Tosh keeps mumbling, one of us must die, one of us must die, under her oh breath. Oh my god, sis, give it a rest. She's just saying kind of subconsciously One of us must die
1: is never going to be a thing. Stop trying to make
0: one of us must <laughs> die be a thing. Every time Zach tries to, like, talk to her about it, she, like, snaps out of it. She's like, oh, what are you talking about? I didn't, uh-huh, I didn't I see talk. that. As they try to get the airlock door open, they notice crawling down the side of the dome that double-jointed brain creature is crawling towards them. They get the door open, and they rush inside and slam it shut behind them. To their surprise, Uncle Hula's here. He's come back. He says he's figured it all out, and he leads the kids to the administration building to show them what for, show them what's going on here. Donafaji is jolly and an asshole again. (laughs) He's like, you've had fun today. Yeah,
1: tons of fun, Donafaji. Awesome. Thanks for your cool, fun world. Tosh
0: tosh, starts flipping out like, we almost died, like, multiple times. He's shaking him by the collars, and then his face melts. He turns into Borborgimus Gog. Oh my, I told you he was Borborgimus Gog. Excellent work, Smooth doctor. Gog. <laughs> Excellent work, doctor Hoole, says Gog. It was quite simple, says Hool. They are far too trusting. They are. I T- mean that's fair. So it turns out these two have been working on Project Starscream together the whole time. <gasps> Hool puts a gun between Zack's eyes. But before he can fire, Zack reaches into his pocket and pulls out that auto-card shuffler and launches <laughs> yeah. cards into his face. The only match for a gun is an automatic card it's shuffler. super prime, dude. It's like, no, cards! The kids run away from the amusement park with Gog and their uncle firing at them with blasters. Uh, they escape into this thing called the Star Chamber, which is like a planetarium where you can walk through the galaxy and uh-huh. see things like kind of close up and like zoom in on planets and stuff. Yeah,
1: that sounds neat and yeah. educational. It sounds
0: cool, right? In here, Tosh has a breakdown and apologizes for flaking out and being so weird this whole time. And Zach's like, "It's okay, sis. It's really stressful." Oh, hey, look, it's Alderaan. They find Alderaan in the in the Star Chamber.
1: Yeah, and
0: oh, they also it's been see updated it. updated for a while. <laughs> but then a tiny Death Star blows it up. And it also fires on the kids. It's tasteless. There's like lasers blasting these kids. I mean, come kids. on. Come Like,
1: on. I mean, it's one thing to have it firing at actual children. It's another
0: thing to have the planet. blow like, it's just so tasteless. And so they decide, okay, we gotta get out of here. Bit over the top. I agree. Devi's there too. So he leads him out to safety. And it's by then, Zack says, I think I figured this out. Lando getting eaten. Uncle Hul, turning on us. The Death Star itself. The gross brain creature. All of them are things that I'm afraid of personally. Oh, really? It's the nightmare machine. The last two days, we've never left the nightmare machine. We've been stuck inside it the whole time. And that brain creature, it's got to be like psychic or something. Look at that brain. It's not a machine at all. That creature is the one feeding on our brains with those those tentacle tubes.
1: So he's still inside the nightmare machine and that creature's eating his brain. And he's like,
0: and DV, you're a hologram too. Duh! I told you. And DV transforms into a giant murderous battle droid and tries to kill him. Oh my. So they run away! They run back to the find the nightmare machine, but the path keeps changing on them non-Euclideanly, and they find themselves back at the airlock instead. So it's a total, total laser burn. They get up to the airlock, right? Zach remembers that the only way to get out of the thing, besides saying end simulation, which clearly does not work, is by facing your ultimate fear, and then it will end. Tosh realizes that saying one of us must die is her intuition telling her both of their greatest fears, which is losing each other.
1: Oh, uh, So one of them literally has to die.
0: Convenient, right? Yeah. So Zach throws himself out of the airlock and dies in the freezing cold of space. And then he wakes up. All right! Not right away, though. He can't really open his eyes. He's groggy. His limbs feel heavy. And he hears a squishing, sucking noise. Something stuck to his forehead. He forces his eyes open only to see that the brain creature is directly above him with one of its tongue tentacles sucking his brain. He looks around and Tosh is there and she also has one of the mouth tentacles stuck to her. There's like several other kids in here all with tentacles leading back to this creature's mouth. Yeah. All on their heads, all asleep. Zack rips the tentacle off his face. Tosh wakes up and does the same thing. The creature screeches and crouches, snarling at them, ready to strike again with his tentacles writhing re- 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 all over the place. Then they hear a banging on the door behind them. It's Lando. He busts the door open and shoots the dang thing in the goddang brain. Good. Two. Good, Lando. Big ol' hole in that thing's head. So much better than hologram, Lando. DV's with him, too, and he informs the kids that stormtroopers are closing in as we speak. Also, you've only been in that thing an hour. What? Yeah. Whoa.
1: Time dilation is probably my biggest fear. That's pretty scary, right? You know?
0: Yeah. The stormtroopers bust into the nightmare machine, and they're led by who other than Borborgimus Gog. <gasps> Bring them younger daughter- Borborgimus brother- Gog. So you kids destroyed my experiment again! The nightmare machine, my perfect piece of genetic mutation. God, take them to my starship. They shall make excellent test subjects. So the stormtroopers carry them off to a shuttle. And on the shuttle is just the kids, DV, Lando, a pilot, and a stormtrooper. And they're like, oh, crap, we're in for it now. As they leave Hologram Fun however, the Stormtrooper pistol whips the pilot and turns in Uncle Hool.
1: Oh my god, it was Uncle Hool the whole time! Yes. For an 11th hour rescue! Where the hell has he been? Well,
0: epilogue. Hours later, they're back in the Shroud, which is their ship, and Lando has brought his own ship there remotely and parked next to it. Lando offers him safety on Cloud City, but Hool refuses, and he leaves. Bye, Lando. See ya. The kid's got a ton of questions, like, how long have you known Gog? What happened during those four years of missing time? How did you find us? He's like, Well, I did my I had contacted some of my private resources. And as for the other questions, we are still too much danger to answer those. Gog is extremely vengeful. I believe our peril has just begun.
1: I mean, it began like a while ago. There's
0: something just about it. So that was the Nightmare Machine.
1: Whoa. What'd you think of that one compared to the other ones?
0: I think it was better than the third one.
1: Yeah. But did you like it as well? I think City of the Dead's still my fave. City of the Dead is a really good one.
0: But I did like, you know, some of the if you were if you were a dumb kid and didn't realize it right away, oh this is a hologram, but you hadn't seen like that trope in a million things.
1: You'd honestly think like they were in some real- Like
0: Lando got eaten, like this place is trying to kill them at all every call every point, like it would be kinda scary and fun. And I like the idea of like time dilation, like not a machine but like a psychic monster making them
1: I just feel like most people's greatest fears are like so abstract that right. there's no way the machine's well, going to be able to replicate them like you know like the slow creep of time and how every year if you're shorter than the last and you still haven't accomplished anything and you'll die
0: unremembered and unmourned. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty deep seated I, mean, I think most of the things most of the people in this thing were kids. You notice how Lando never talked about what he saw? I bet he saw stuff like that. He probably did. Yeah. What do you think Lando saw? He probably saw his beautiful wife droid, L3, L3. uh, getting blown up a million times. And
1: his own useless hands, unable to save her. Yep. And so basically he saw, like, a physical manifestation of impotence. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. See, that sounds more like the fear that an adult would have. Right. So what are you going to do now? Are you going to keep doing these stories? You know, I...
0: Okay, there's two more in the Borgamas Gog saga, from what I understand. Yes. His story ends at book six. So I'm wondering if I should just go ahead and do the next two, just to just wrap the Gog story. Because... I mean, you
1: can if you want. I don't mind.
0: Okay, I might, I might, just so I can have some closure on on Gog and 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 move forward with my life, and also keep spooky. I didn't know this was just stopping you from moving forward. It is. It's really hard. I'm gonna. Those are our spooky tales for this week: Balrogs and Gogogs and Balrogs and Barbarogamus Gogs and Barbarogamus Gogs. Oh my!
1: Gothmogs.
0: Gothmogs. Goth gog. Yeah, balrogs, Gothmogs, or morgibus gogs. Oh my. But now we have another scary segment to wrap up our spooky October, and that's...
1: The Worst, the Worst, the Worst, the Worst, the Worst Name Challenge.
0: All right, Joanna. Have you looked at the results? I have not. Have you? Yes. And the people have spoken. Is a... Less bad name than Teleporno. So Teleporno 1 is what you're saying. I'm you saying You said to say it with
1: the most overly complicated syntax ever. Oh, also,
0: last week I realized we forgot to raise Darth Icky officially into the rafters. So <gasps> can you play the song, please, for Darth Icky? All right, here we go. There he goes. He's going up.
1: Bye, Darth Icky! I salute you, sweet prince.
0: Now, Teleporno, no matter what happens this week, he's going in the rafters, too. He survived three weeks of, of challenges. He did. I have kind of an appropriate challenger for him today. For his last challenge? Yes. His last challenge will be against Borborgamus Gog. <gasps> That's perfect! I looked it up. Yes. These words have meanings, it turns out. What, Borgamus? What do you think Borgamus means? I don't know. Like something the Swedish chef says. Borgamus, yeah. Once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, of course it's that. Like, it it, may, it it sounds like what it is. Does it, in fact? It's the rumbling or gurgling of your stomach.
1: Borgamus. I don't think that my my stomach sounds like Borg Borgamus.
0: I have literally never heard my stomach go Borg Borgamus. It's apparently a scientific term. I got a little peckish, and your tummy's just like Borgamus. It's like the scientific term for fluid and gas in the intestines rumbling around. Wait, is it seriously? Yeah. Borg Borgamus. And then Gog, I couldn't find much except on, on Urban Dictionary, which said it was slang for Welsh people.
1: <laughs> so he's a Welsh guy who's constantly hungry. So he's
0: Rumbly Tummy Welshman.
1: That's so cute. <laughs> Just a Welshman who's like, I can't even do a Welsh accent, so I can't even follow this joke to its logic. And yeah, I versions. hope it's not
0: a racial slur for Welsh people, people from Wales. Are you,
1: if that is a racial slur, <laughs> if you are from Wales and that is a racial slur, we are so sorry we did not know.
0: We will we will promptly correct that in the future. So yes. please vote who's got the worst name, Teleporno, again, going to the Raptors either way, or Borborgamus Gog, the villain of this book series. It's Teleporno, though. You think so? Because Borborgamus Gog,
1: I mean, his name at least means something, uh, you know, like innocuous.
0: But teleporno. He's named after a tummy rumble. Like, that's not a good name.
1: <laughs> Borborgamus? Bur- Bur- yeah.
0: His parents be like what I like? The sound of a rumbling tummy.
1: Maybe like when his dad was like having to fill in his name on the birth certificate, he's like, Christ, I could go for a sandwich. Or, or, maybe the doctor's like, what do you want to name him? And before his dad could actually say anything, his stomach was like, and the doctor's like, okay. There it is. That's not what I meant. He's like, it's too late. You already said it.
0: I wrote this in pen, dude. I can't do it now. I can't do it. You just have to go with it. His dad's like, oh no. I wanted to name him Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas Gog. <laughs> Nicholas Gog. Fine, we'll make it his middle name. Fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so... Borburgamus Nicholas Gog. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a name. That's beautiful. So please go on our Facebook or our Twitter and vote for who you think has the worst name, Teleporno or Gog. Uh, You can find our Facebook, What's Lightsabers Precious? Uh, You can find our Twitter, it's just What Lightsabers?
1: (laughs) If you just search it, it's going to come up regardless. Probably. You can find our website,
0: www.whatslightsabersprecious.com. You can rate us up on Apple Podcasts or leave us a review or tell a friend. About what we are doing here and all the spooky tales you encountered this month and how you're so brave. You survived all of them. You made it through the nightmare machine. You got it. You win. You faced your greatest fear, which is episode four of Spooky October.
1: Good job. Good job, guys. You all faced your personal nightmare
0: machine. But now here's the real ultimate fear. This episode is over and you have to go another week without our show. (laughs) A bleak future with nothing in it. Look forward to to next week. Or can you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> bye bye